Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. This week I'm joined by Lindsay Lyon, the owner of a company called SharkShield. Now SharkShield offers the only scientifically proven technology that surfers and divers can use to repel sharks, obviously, and it uses electrical signals that sharks just don't like. I'm going to ask Lindsay to explain more about how it works. Also, SharkShield is currently planning more types of products to expand into the boat market and also potentially replacing shark nets. Now this is a massive undertaking. We're going to talk about funding, patents, technology, innovation, and I'm sure a whole lot more. So let's get into it. Lindsay Lyon, welcome to The Mentor. Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. I've got to say, I have interviewed Tommy Carroll about Shark Shield before, um, and I guess he's your ambassador or something along those lines, is is he? Yes, he is. He's our brand ambassador. He came on a couple of years ago to help me with the design of the product. Lovely guy. Yeah, I I think he probably came into, not this studio, the original studios up in the cross about, um, probably about two years ago. Yeah. Um, Good guy. He talked about this. It was sound pretty exciting. He was certainly excited about it. He's a good ambassador for you. He rips... He is. He's an amazing surfer. It, what, what's crazy is uh, is every single person in the surf industry somehow knows Tom Carroll, and they don't just know him; they're his best mate. It's, yeah, I know. It's, yeah. Well, he, he's just got that sort of um, infectious sort of um, personality and yes, nature. He he's has. only pint-sized dude, and uh, incredibly courageous. When you think about the size of the waves that he's caught in the past, and the size of him, yep, and. Uh, He's basically fearless. Yeah, yeah. No, he's ranked, I think Surfing Magazine ranked him in the top 10, number seven, world's greatest surfers of all time. Wow. Lovely guy. That's a yeah. pretty, that's a pretty big accolade. Righto. Let's, well, let's get into the technology of this because we didn't talk too much about the technology when I spoke to Tommy. Um, how's Shark Show work? Yeah, look, the technology's been around, Mark, for a very, very long time. It was developed uh, in the 90s in South Africa by the KwaZulu Natal Shark Board. In fact, if you remember Val and Ron Taylor uh, in Australia, they were environmentalists, uh, oceanographers, if you like. Anyway, oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the, the skinny dude with the. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she wore some chain mesh for sharks yeah, 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 and all yeah. sorts of I stuff. I do remember it. Very yeah. famous. Anyway, they did some testing in the 90s as well. So the way it works is that sharks have these little electrical receptors in their snout for finding food at close range. Exactly the same as you and I'd use touch in the dark. So they use sound, sight, all those things that we use. But when they get close range, they use these electrical receptors. Now, the body gives out a very, very small electrical field. Every living creature does. We create a very powerful electric field, causes those gel-filled sacs to spasm, turns the shark away. It's extremely effective. When you say we, you're talking about shark shield. Correct. Not we humans. 
Correct. Uh, No, no, no. Every living creature in the world has an electric field. In fact, uh, only sharks and rays in the ocean have these electrical receptors, but platypuses have them. So when you see a platypus in the mud, dig down to find a a worm, that's how they found the grub. I don't think platypus have got eyes, haven't they? Uh, Good question. They don't see I'm not sure, but they do have electrical receptors. Yeah, that's how... They do have these, what they're called ampulla of Lorenzini, these electrical receptors. So what you're saying is sharks have these, and the shark shield gives off something to do what? It gives a very powerful electric field. So instead of a small electric field that a living creature gives off, we give a very powerful electric field overpowers those senses. Think of it like standing too close to a loudspeaker. You have to move away. Right. It's too loud. It's exactly the same. And the technology has peer-reviewed, published research uh, from a couple of different universities, independently funded. In fact, in Western Australia, the current state government has just implemented a rebate when you purchase one of our products. They'll give you $200 back. Right. It's that proof. Because there are a lot of uh, shark attacks in Western Australia, aren't they, especially on surfers? Well, it's kind of good economics when you think about it. Uh, you know, the previous state government in WA spent around, you know, $15, $20 million on shark culling, shark netting, you know, all sorts of different methods. But when you look at the fatalities of the 15 years, 15 fatalities, 13 of those have been surfers and divers. Now, all the culling and drum lines and stuff in the world wouldn't have prevented those fatalities. And so what they're saying is take personal responsibility for the activity you're doing, and here, it's expensive, let us help you get that technology. It's probably more efficient, though, from an environmental point of view. It's probably much more efficient to do it at a personal level than it is to try and do like a a spray technique where you've got uh, drums or nets or some other type of culling process going where you actually kill everything when you don't need to. All you need to do is repel it. That's exactly right. Well, think of it the same as any other sport. If you're going to drive a race car, get the right safety gear. If you're going to climb Everest, train and get the right safety gear. There are risks in all the activities and sports we do. If technology will help remove some of that risk, LR shark attacks, then use that technology. So where, where, where am I going to put the shark shield? Like... Is, uh, and explain to me how it sends this electrical impulse at its battery. How does yeah, it work? Yeah, sure. Look, there's two products. There's two main areas that we operate in today, uh, which is diving and surfing. With the diving product, there's a couple of configurations, but the, the main one attaches to the ankle in a Velcro pouch, has a 1.8-metre cord that trails behind you, which has these two electrodes that use the salt water to connect, creates this large electrical field. Think of it, uh, shape of a football, about six metres high, four metres wide, three-dimensional. The surfboard one is a decal sticker. Can we just go back to the... Sure. Just, just hang on to the uh, diver one. Yep. So there's an electrical field behind you, so to speak. Correct, that's correct. Right, what happens if the shark comes at to you from the front? Well, it, the, the size of the electrical field is quite large. Right. So yeah, you, you It know. doesn't affect you. We don't well, have... if you touch it, it gives you a zap. Does it? Absolutely. It's an electric fence. Right. So, uh, you know, if you touch it, uh, it will absolutely give you a But uh, can I touch it? Uh, yeah. If yeah, it's behind yeah. me? Well, it's interesting. It's like Listerine burns my mouth, so it must be good for me. What a lot of divers do and people is they touch it to know it's on, yeah, yeah, to feel yeah. comfortable that it's working. And what does it do when you touch it? Like, oh, it just gives you... It's like a static electricity. Right, zap, okay. You know, not, yeah, 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 yeah. So... so it's uh, not quite like an electric fence, you know. Yeah. No, no, I get that. So the, But it's sort of like the one you might... The electric fence you might put around your cattle. Yes, but not that strong. Yeah, not that strong. Not that strong. So... Not that strong. So... Okay, so... It sounds to me... It sounds like I'm, I'm a, it's a bit like a blue bottle with a, its long 
tentacles sort of floating yeah. around the back, back yeah. of it, but you've got a couple of them floating around, have you? That's right. So, look, there's there's some ergonomics and physics that prevent this getting down into something like a watch. You know, there, yeah. there are some physics to it. You've got to think about it. You've got a great white shark. It's 10 foot, 16 foot long. It's coming at 40 kilometres an hour. It weighs a tonne. You need a pretty big electric field and a pretty big smack in the nose to turn it away. Mm. Now, the technology is extremely effective, like very, very, and it will turn the shark away. People think you can't stop a charging great white, but these things can turn on a dime. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're chasing seals and fish. And so they do turn, and it does prevent shark attacks. How have you... Tested it in a let's say the divers. How do you how sure. have you tested it? Well, look, we've done our own testing, but the best piece of testing for anybody is independent research. The University of Western Australia, uh, Professor Sean Collins and his team published a paper last year. Uh, they did some bait testing. They put a bait on the shark shield in South Africa. They had three hundred and twenty-two interactions with the bait with forty-one different great white sharks, and with the deterrent turned on, only one shark bumped the bait. Right. So very effective. Right, okay. So, and did they film it? Oh, absolutely. This is a published, peer-reviewed research paper. The Western Australian government paid some three, four $400,000 for the research. And is it like, is it in a YouTube? Uh, YouTube, and you can download the published research paper from the uh, Science Journal as well. Right. And there was previous research done by Flinders University as well. Have you ever seen the seal decoy tow where they tow a rubber seal behind the boat and the shark comes up in a full breach and comes out of the water on Discovery Channel? I've sort of seen that. Probably, yeah. yeah. Well, they put a shark shield underneath the rubber seal to protect the seal. They did 186 tows, half with it turned on, half with it turned off. With it turned off, they had 27 hits on the seal decoy and 16 breaches. With it turned on, zero breaches and only two interactions with a seal decoy. And what's zero breaches mean? A breach means coming out of the water. Right. It breaks the surface because this is a shark coming from depth at pace in attack mode and it's preventing that happening. Right. So that's very good. Yeah, yeah. So that's very good. And how does the one on a surfboard work? Pretty much exactly the same technically, except instead of having a trailing cord, which we used to have a trailing cord. I think that's how Tommy board. explained it to me. It was a cord. Yeah, well, it, the board. it used to be. And then with Tommy, we designed a decal antenna that sticks onto the bottom of the board. And then on the back of most surfboards, we have a, a tail pad that we put our feet on. Yep. The electronics sits into the kicker of that tail pad. And you can move the electronics between your boards. And that creates the electrical field under the board. In fact, there's testing about to be released just been conducted in the Neptune Islands in South Australia by Flinders University on that product as well. So, so it's a, like a pad on the top of the back of the board? Yep. Same and pad that you normally have, yep, yep. except the electronics in the kicker. And then underneath the board, there's just a decal sticker that's got What's the a, electrodes What is it. a decal sticker? What is that? Well, it's the electrodes. The electrodes are stainless steel, so yep. we've got this micro-thin pieces of stainless steel embedded into a sticker on the bottom of the board. Now, the reason for that, Mark, is that if you think about adoption rates, if I have to install it in the board, my addressable market is only new boards, yep. and plus there's a cost to install it yeah, in the board. You want to be able to retrofit it. You want to be able to retrofit it, and that's the reason we've done that way. In fact, we've actually filed for a patent hoping that we'll actually be one day be able to print the stickers using graphene. Which is? Uh, graphene's like a new carbon fibre technology. It's superconductive material. Right, superconductive material. So and, and it's like an atom thick. So the thinness that you can get to is amazing as well. And do they work on a battery or? 
Yeah, it's a it's a battery pack. Lasts four or five hours. And lithium battery. And, and is that a flat battery or is it uh, like a battery a lithium battery like you get out of your phone? Yeah, think of it. You know, about twice the size of your. And iPhone. what do you recharge your board? Do you or you Correct. recharge? You pull that out. Yeah. And then stick it in your charger in your car or at home. Right. Okay. And so we've been addressing the personal market, which is diving and surfing. And where we're going now is we're actually building products that you can hang off the back of your boat. And we're building products that you can actually put on the beach using that existing technology. Plus, we're working on new technology where we're hoping to be able to deter sharks using a transducer-based electromagnetic field for up to 100 metres in diameter, which means we could potentially replace every shark net in the world. Right, okay. So let's we'll go back to that. I just, What is the size of your market? Let's just take it... Uh, Surfboards, for example. Yeah, so surfboard markets, there's about 24 million surfers around the world, uh, which is bigger than the dive market. The dive market is smaller than that. But really, the addressable market for the product, you really need to be 35, 40 and over. Uh, If young males are immortal and don't die, they don't need safety products. Their mums might want them to have one, but they don't want one. Does it affect the board? Yeah, look, it does. It affects the, the weight of the product is, yeah. is you know around the 400 grams now if you're a high performance surfer and you've got a small you know five five board lightweight board absolutely it would affect your aerial styles that a lot of the young surfers have today but a, a bit but i guess yeah but i mean is that the reason why people aren't taking it up or uh no the adoption rates are lower than i thought they'd be but that's kind of normal for a new product category as people need to be educated and aware but the people that are buying it are in that sort of 45 plus range so they've been surfing all their life they've now got kids they now know they're immortal and they're not enjoying the sport it's playing with their head too much they're not Mm. getting out in the morning or staying out longer and that sort of thing so they're putting it on their board and, and they're going back to enjoying the sport. So how, how much is one of these? Say, a, a 5 dollars for the surfboard. Yep. Uh, but every additional board, it's one sixty nine. Right. So that's just like a – it's a bit of a marketing special, is it? Or Yeah. So Well, no, because the electronics, you buy that once and you move it between your boards. Right. Okay. Right? So, so, so what, what is it that you've got to move – what is it you're putting on the new – you keep the pad – what is it you, you keep the You keep the electronics and move yeah. that between your board. Yeah. And what's permanent is the tail pad, which is normally permanent on yeah. your board anyway, yeah. and the decal sticker on the bottom of the board. Right, okay. Very interesting. And and when you get home at night, can you like? is there a process of testing these or servicing this stuff? Like, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to make sure, you know, like it's always working. Well, well firstly, you know it's working because <clears> you can touch it. You know, so you can feel the electric field on your surfboard. In fact, but I want to know it's the right charge because obviously you've done some research to say a great white shark coming at you know two hundred meters below you mm. at a thousand miles an hour, <laughs> one ton um, needs X amount of electromagnetic yeah. field or electro electric yeah. field. Yep. How do how do you know? How's that tested? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Look, the electronics is pretty simple. This this is not high tech stuff, to be very honest. It's a it's a very fixed wave shape with a fixed output. So, the electronics can do all its own self testing to confirm that the output is is adequate and correct. 
And then if it's not adequate and correct, the electronics actually give a fault warning. Right, okay. So it. there's a, there's, a, there's a warning system Absolutely, in there. yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, do, but do you service them? Is that how it works then? No, they don't <clears> require <throat> any service. The service. No, but if it's no good, say, for example. Oh, for example, if, if, if it's, it wear out? it's exactly it's like? the same as your iPhone, you know, if, if, you know, during the next three, five, six, seven years or whatever, something happens to it, you bring it back and we replace it for about 60% off of the retail price with a refurbished or a brand new unit. Yeah, so the, the, these things have a life. Absolutely. And is, yeah. is the life of it determined by the amount of times used in the water or is it just... Predominantly the lithium battery. It's if, the battery. You know, it's exactly the same issue you got with your mobile phone. Lithium batteries are sort of, you know, around that sort of five, seven years. And and, and where did you develop all this stuff? Like, I mean, especially the pad at the back and, uh, you know, all these all this technology. I mean, how's it being developed? Who's, yeah, the, so who's the, the dude? Yeah, the core technology was developed out of South Africa and then some South Australian entrepreneurs got the worldwide rights to that in early 2001. And they went about developing and patenting a range of dive products and some surf products. And then I acquired the company five years ago and then went about developing the surfboard product, uh, patenting that. And we've also got another range of products that we've come out and we've applied patents for as well. Oh, that, that's interesting. So you grabbed hold of it five years ago. Tell me something about yourself, a little bit about yourself. So. Why did you do that? What's your background? You know, what yeah, good question. Why did I do that? I, I, I thought it was a, a little turnaround opportunity. I thought I could buy it and put a coat of paint on it and then sell it. But uh, I've required a lot more paint than I thought. Um, look, but my, are you a renovator? I mean, is that your game? Like, yeah, uh, no. Picking things yes up and, no. and flicking them? No, not really. Um, I have done it. Uh, so my background's electronics, electrical. I did computing and then I worked for Hewlett-Packard for 14 years. I ran their Australian commercial business out of Melbourne. So I'd say my career started at Hewlett-Packard, uh, fortunately, amazing company in the late 80s and 90s to work for. Uh, and then um, I did some consulting um, on channel management, partner management, and then I did some startup companies. So CD storage company, uh, a data storage software company, and then I ran a man overboard business where I invented the technology there as well, and I listed that. Um, and then what, I what is that? Shield. What's man overboard? Um, lost at sea. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I came up with a technology there where I don't know. Do you have a boat, or you've obviously been on a I've boat? I've had boats. Yeah. And so basically, what happens is when you fall off a boat today, historically it would call Canberra, and then Canberra would send out a search party. Right. The innovation was that instead of calling Canberra, it would call the VHF radio that's already on the boat and set off an alarm on the boat that you fell off to come back and get you. Right. And that became an Australian standard as well. Right, very good. So your your background then is in technology. Yes, definitely. Um, and early stage companies. And electronics of it. And your experience is in um, taking early early startups and yes. turning them into something. Yes. So what what were the signals that made you think that this technology was something you could turn around? Well, a VC asked me to run Shark Shield uh, in early two thousands, and I went and had a look at the company, and it was kind of you know it was just a couple of guys operating out of a shed that wanted to do everything themselves and thought they knew how to manufacture products and et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't want to live in South Australia either. And then when I was running Mobilarm, I was looking at how to expand the product line in marine safety products. So we were doing this man overboard technology. I thought, well, what other safety products can we put through the similar distribution channels? And I had another look at Shark Shield. And in fact, we offered to buy it at the time, but I bought another company in the UK for Mobilarm instead. And then when the major shareholders of Mobilarm wanted to come in and, and run the company themselves, and I took it from about zero to six million in the three and a half odd years, 
um, I was sitting around thinking, well, I wonder what I should do. And I went back and had another look at Shark Shield because I was not enjoying my surfing. And I thought, well, maybe we can do something. Oh, with so this you are a surfer as well. I oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've yeah. been surfing all my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I love it. Yeah, so um, you know the application of it, I guess. Um, I and I mean, you're probably one of the servers you referred to earlier. Absolutely. I, yeah, look, the most now, hilarious thing about the surfer? company is when I bought the company. I put Jaws ringtone on my phone because I thought it was funny and I stopped surfing. It just freaked me out. And so absolutely I'm a target market for the product. And since the product has come out in the last 12 months, I know I surf more. I, and I'm not saying that from an ad perspective. I absolutely surf more often earlier in the morning, later in the evening, stay out longer. I think because there is a – I mean, I, there is a phenomenon that exists today too um, – the reason there are more sharks, and the reason for that is that, um, or just take Sydney Harbour for example, um, more sharks breed in there because as they don't dredge it anymore. They're not um, going through it and uh, picking up every, like fishing right through the harbour and picking up everything that's available in the harbour, which includes all the various things that sharks feed on, including sharks. They don't they don't um, trawl outside Byron Bay either anymore. Up they used to trawl up and down up and down Byron Bay many many years ago. So the sharks have just got better environments. There's more there's more sharks. Well, yes and no. You know, I, th- I think there are more sightings of sharks because we've all got mobile phones. You know, when you hopped on your boat when I was a little kid and we went to Rottnest and a white pointer pulled up next to the boat, Dad would go to the pub and tell five of his mates. Now it's on YouTube and on Channel 7 and national TV. In fact, sharks in Australia are part of our popular culture today. Yeah. We love them. You know, they're like football meat We love talking about them. We love talking about them. But are there more sharks? I think the shark population is probably improving but it's not possible for seven or eight billion people on the planet eating everything that moves for there be to be more sharks, in my opinion. Not in Australia. Look, the CSIRO recently conducted a very detailed study. Uh, every time they do a tagging of a shark, they take a biopsy. And from that biopsy, they're able to do a DNA map and sequencing and see who's brother's mother, sister, and draw a picture. They estimate on the West Coast and on the East Coast there are about 2,500 thereabout sharks, adults. There are more juveniles, but adults. Now, the question is, is that a big number or is that a little number? You know, I don't know. I mean, there are 25 million people. So there are 300 million cats in Australia. Is 2,000 sharks covering the coast of Western Australia slash South Australia a big number? I would suggest not. Well, if you had two up in Byron Bay, for example, just always there, that to me that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, true, but but what I'm standing here saying is that there's technology now that removes the risk and protects both humans and animals and enables us to enjoy the environment. Together. I mean, going out, killing all the sharks I agree. Is, is just ridiculous. It's like going to Africa saying, I want to be safe on my safari. I'm going to kill all the lions before I get there. And I get there and go, oh, shit, there are no lions. Yeah, no, no, I'm not, and I'm not from suggesting we kill sharks. But I just thought that, I just wonder if there are more sharks just, just because everything, everything seems to be healthier and so, well... I'm not doing a survey of the whole world. I'm just doing a survey of Sydney Harbour and Byron Bay at this stage. But I would um, agree that in this country, we've done a good job in trying to rebuild our seas and our environment, our coastal environment. It's more of everything is yeah. probably what I'm suggesting. But, uh, but, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, that this debate, especially up in Ballon and all that area where there's been mm. quite a few attacks of, yep. of late – and bear in mind, wherever you've got an estuary or a river coming out to the sea, mm. there's always been lots of sharks because Correct. that's that's the happy outing ground. Absolutely. 
And uh, that's one of the reasons I never surf. I wouldn't. I used to never want to surf. Well, now you can, Mark. Around near the estuaries. <laughs> no, there's plenty of other places to surf, but around the estuaries. And the thing that stops me from surfing is all the young kids up there who get the waves in front of yep. me, and I can't be bothered. Um, you know, it's, you get down there, there's a hundred kids down there, and you think, oh, well, a lot of people surf in Indonesia, not only because it's great surf, but there are no sharks. They've eaten them all. Well, my brother uh, runs Surf Travel, and uh, the, he bought right. the old Surf Travel, and he's yep. he's re- rerun. He's running it now. In fact, he's on the Australian. He was on the New South Wales Surfing Council or something like that. He's now on the Australian one. Um, and uh, he, he's still a mad surfer, but uh, he'll also say don't surf near estuaries. Um, that's, right. that's always been an issue, not yep. just more recently. It's always been an issue. Yep. Um, and But the, 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 the big debate, is, especially up in Ballin and those areas where the rivers do come out to the sea, is what do they do in terms of, you know, do we uh, cull sharks or put up – netting, which will cull sharks and other things, mm. um, or to protect the people there, or do we let the sharks live like we they should live because the sea is their domain and we just take a risk when we go for a mm. swim. What I like about what you're talking about is that it's, um, you don't need, to, need, don't need to have the debate anymore. Mm. Um, your shark shield will basically stop the shark from biting me in the first place if I'm Correct. a surfer, not if I'm, not if I'm just having a swim at the beach. Correct. Because I'm probably not likely to have a shield. But, but we are developing uh, and we're relatively progressed with some technology where we think uh, at this stage we can create an electrical field that would deter a shark at about 30 or 50 metres So just t- tell me through that now. Well, the way the current technology works is it's called near field. You've got these two electrodes that connect a current between the two of them using the salt water as a connector. But the electrical field is really only effective for a few metres. In fact, there's a myth that these shark shields, our our technology, attracts sharks and then repels them. And it's a complete myth. Because if it was true, every shark fisherman in the world would buy one and they'd go shark fishing. It's, it's, It's rubbish. Very hard to propagate an electric field underwater. And so we've met this uh, physicist in France um, who's come up with this transducer technology that we can measure at a distance of about 30 metres a electromagnetic field that's 4,000 times stronger than the lowest sensitivity level that a shark has. Now, what we're hoping is that the current technology, what happens is the shark swims in, hits the field, turns away. This new technology, shark swims in, feels some pain, feels some sensation, let's call it, and goes, you know, what is that? What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, that's really annoying. That's really annoying. And swims away. Now, if that is the case, and this all works out the way we think it works out, that means we can replace shark nets. So every 100 metres, we have one of these transducer buoys in the water, solar powered, and we can replace shark nets and protect beaches. Okay, well, be huge, I, I, massive, and because I, I want, I want to. We've got to go to a break because um, you know, we've got to sell products like yours because we've got of to, course. We've got to pay the bills. Um, <laughs> but when we come back from the break, I want to talk a little bit more about the um, the, the future plans because yes, I, and I, I just want to talk to you just generally about the importance of technology and innovation, which is you're right in the sweet spot here. But the, these innovations aren't your normal technological innovations; they're about mobile, which usually relate to mobile phones and the com- communication, but. It sort of relates to the environment to some mm, extent. That's right. And, um, and I think that's a new place that innovation technology is going, which is quite acceptable from my point of view, like more acceptable than any other type of innovation. And I think it's also ripe for investment. So we'll go to the break and we'll come right back. Thank you. So I'm talking to Lindsay Lyon and Lindsay's from Shark Shield. And I'm, I, we've been talking about how 
his technology, proven technology, has been working for surfers and divers. I get it. I understand it completely. Um, and that it's successful and he just needs to build awareness I, I, and sort of get this thing really up and running so that more people buy it. I understand. And I'll come back to that before we finish off. One of the things I do want to talk about is, though, is the importance of technology and innovation today as it affects the environment and kills off environmental debates where people are, where, you know, environmentalists are debating against sort of the more general commercial outcomes, i.e. should we have shark nets and or should we um, employ culling of sharks so that people don't get eaten when they go to the beach. And what Lindsay's saying here is that there is a, a new application of his technology, which he's working on, to build some sort of electromagnetic field that actually will protect swimmers at the beach. That is correct. Yeah. And so can I just ask you, around the world... I mean, I only know what we have here in Australia. And I just remember a Bondi. There was a, a shark net. So, but around the world, what what do other countries do? They use shark nets. It's, it's common, is yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Shark nets or drum lines. So, in South Africa, a very extensive network of shark nets. Uh, the US, they use shark nets, but a lot of uh, drum lines. And What's they, a drum line? A drum line is basically just a big boy with a big hook on it and a big piece of bait. And the theory is, oh, is right. that the shark's swimming along. And it sees the bait, grabs the bait, and bites the hook instead of coming into the beach. Well, it might actually attract the shark. The shark might go right past the bait and say, look, there's a tasty human down there. And, and there's arguments around that as well. Right. I mean, they have implemented a thing called a smart drum line, and all that means is that they know a shark is on the hook, and they can go out there and unhook the shark or you know whatever the animal is and potentially save its life and let it go. Right, for it to come back again and get hooked. That's what they do. They tag the sharks, um, and then if the shark's still alive, they let it go. They take it further out to sea and let it go. Right. I mean, there is a debate. I mean, I mean, the sharks live in that domain. My view is we shouldn't be killing sharks, unless it's a rogue shark and it wants to, you know, it keeps coming back to the same place and wants to nail mm. little kids or something. I mean, I get that bit, mm. but equally, sharks shouldn't be just randomly knocked off left, right, and centre. Yeah, look, that's I, my personal view. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it's very difficult with the company um, to have a stance because people say, of course you do, you want more sharks because yeah. you'll sell more shark deterrents. Um, however, I, I would agree with you. I mean, you know, the human race has a naught for naught track record on the environment thus far. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you look at the data on how many incidents occur with sharks around the world, it's a very, very small number. So, really, what we're providing here is a service to give you peace of mind, to improve the country's tourism, to remove this brand that Australia has as the shark that, capital of the world. Oh, is that right? We have that brand? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I South, think, Af- South Africa got, got a little bit of that to me as well. Uh, South Africa does, yeah. uh, but certainly Australia's got, you know, gets a pretty bad rap around the world. Yeah. Um, and so if we could have this technology at our beaches where people could come to Australia and feel confident that they're swimming, they're swimming at some of the safest beaches in the world... Um, the federal government, by the way, just finished a Senate inquiry into shark mitigation and deterrence really? led by Senator Peter Wish Wilson. And the findings of that Senate inquiry are absolutely to adopt more uses of shark shield technology and to look at these uses of defending beaches using this technology. Because the flip side of all this is that we humans should be able to enjoy the beach without the fear of being Absolutely. Gobbled up or, or sure. mauled or something along those lines. And I guess you're probably right. I mean, we sort of take it for granted a little bit. But the number of people I know who come from overseas 
they it's not just sharks they talk about, but they talk about our spiders, our snakes, right. sharks, and our crocodiles. I'm more concerned about things like grizzly bears and polar bears. No, I, well, I, get, I get worried about lions and tigers and things like that. But they, they seem to be always talking about. I mean, especially if you talk to the English and the Irish yeah. and the Americans, they always, oh, you know, you got the most venomous snakes in the world, the most venomous spiders, spiders in the world, and I, I, I've yeah. never seen a white pointer in the no. in you know the Sydney beaches. I've never heard of one. Maybe they have been. The ever. fear is irrational. In yeah. fact, it's interesting because we're going through a branding change because of that irrational fear of the word shark. The company's just changed its name to Ocean Guardian, and we're going to roll that out. And Ocean Guardian will be the master brand, and powered by Shark Shield technology, will be like a NutraSuite Intel Inside brand. And the reason for that, if you think about that word shark, as we've just been discussing it, right, the first one is that primitive fear that we've got no control over. We hear the word shark, and we've got the Jaws theme running in the background. And then the second one is how do we use the word shark in society? It's all negative. Lone shark, shark, yeah, yeah, lawyer, yeah. shark, banker. And so if I run a dive store or a surf shore, do I want the word shark anywhere in my store? I'm trying to get you in the water. When I bought the company, they had big pictures of white pointers on the packaging. There wasn't a single dive store in Australia that would put it on display. And so Ocean Guardian gives you that more uh, softer feel to it. It's more that protective. It's more that conservation feel to it. And then it's supported by the history of the shark shield technology. And that's the reason we're doing it is because of the, the, the word shark. I'm trying to sell you trust. I'm trying to sell you that I've got something you should trust in. Mm. And I've got that negative word in there called shark. So you've got, you've got your overall technology. You know, obviously, you've got your, um, your message around guard protect as opposed to fear um, and you've got all these various applications some of which are working which mm. is the the diver one and you've got the one for the surfers and you're now looking at other applications boating and beach boating and beach mm. um, and so that's that becomes your infrastructure like your internal infrastructure so where to from here what what happens then like you know you're gonna you're trying to build infrastructures what are you trying to do Yes, no, absolutely. So we're, interestingly, that I'm standing here, we're actually uh, be issuing a prospectus this month right. uh, to raise five million. Prospectus or I am? Prospectus Pro- yep. uh, okay. for the ASX. Okay, so you're going to do a, a, a listing. Correct. Yeah, correct. Not, not backdoor, you're just going to re- list this business. Correct. That is correct. Uh, and and what's your proposition? What is the proposition? Yeah, look, the proposition is is the, the two new markets, the boating and the beach market, are significantly different. I'm not selling to surfers and divers who have a limited amount of capital. If you look at the Sydney Harbour and you look at all the boats floating around Sydney Harbour on a hot summer's day, they're all inside with the aircon because most of them won't swim out the back. Yeah. So if I can provide a system out the back of boats where people pay a few thousand dollars instead of a few hundred dollars compared to the cost of the boat... Plus, I start building service annuity revenue streams because that product is like a fire extinguisher or a life raft, et cetera. So it requires annual servicing <coughs> and maintenance. And then the beach products become more of an infrastructure-based product. So yep. they're probably a leased product to local councils uh, around the country as well. So the proposition is to scale the business into a more services-orientated, lease-based, but more larger-based systems. But that, that, that sort of may have some people, because especially for Sydney Harbour and I guess for Botany Bay and all those other places, um, i got a mate um, who's been surfing all his life and he's, you know, he's a mad surfer and he, and he would surf anywhere and he's just got, well, he hasn't just got married, he's got a couple of kids, sort of 
three and six or something like that, three and five. And uh, he said to me the other day that he would not let his five-year-old go out into Sydney Harbour on a boat with some friends of his, with their kids, because he was just concerned about the sharks mm-hmm. in the harbour. And of course, like this guy surfs everywhere, and um, and uh, and I just thought it was quite odd. But he's taken a different stance on um, his view on sharks, and he was talking about bull sharks in Sydney Harbour. So that sort of if if your if you had someone who was your ambassador, like whoever, I'm not going to say any particular names, mm. but like someone who who was believable. Let's call Mick Fanning for example. For example, mm. you know, this guy's a friend of Mick Fanning's. Um, let's say Mick Fanning said, "Yeah, it works." I'm pretty sure, and, and if my mate's friends put this on the back of their boat, mm. I'm pretty sure that my mate would let his kid go out in the boat, mm. and his kid would be happy. I agree he with wants you. To go and do all these little friends are doing, so uh, there probably is a pretty good market for that. I'm, I'm only giving you a survey of one, and that's and I'm talking. Oh, we're, we're done then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I can see it working in all sorts of places because, particularly in West Australia, everyone's well, got a boat. Well, what about aquaculture and fish farming? It's a serious issue. Mm. As the fish is die, it? they fall to the bottom of the nets and shark attacks the net. So if you can get this long-range technology performing... Does that affect the fish too? No, or? it doesn't. No. Only sharks and rays have the right. electrical receptor. So right. you know, there's an opportunity in charter boat fishing uh, up in Exmouth and those areas where they do charter boat. They bring in you know, about seven out of every ten fish are taken by sharks. Is that right? Yeah, it's that bad. It's that bad. Wow. And so this technology could prevent that as well. Um, and then in the longer term, you imagine in five or 10 years when I go and order my, you know, Riviera or whatever boat it is that I'm ordering and I'm ticking down the list, you know, radar, sonar, echo sounder, yeah, totally. shark shield technology. And I buy it installed and fitted to the boat. Well, West Australians, I can imagine they'd all get it because they all go over to Rotten's Island. Um, and there's a, there's, we, we, I've never known a, 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 a city of people in Perth who have more boats. They are everyone's got a boat. Rotten's Island. <laughs> but everyone's got a boat too. They do. They do. It's crazy. But, but you look at the Mediterranean, right? There, is, there are still a couple hundred different species in the Mediterranean. And, and, you know, the Red Sea, there was a white shark attack there a while ago. Now, these people, we had a, uh, a wealthy person out of Saudi order five shark shields last year. And we're talking about a $5,000 order, including shipping, right? So nothing. The guy wanted them there in a week. He said, well, you just get one of your staff on an Emirates business class ticket and we'll give you the hotel room and you just get them here this week. So... These people spending five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars on a product to so hang off their couple of million exactly. They spill that much wine at lunch. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's a significantly bigger market at a higher dollar value, at a much bigger gross margin with a service annuity revenue. Okay, stream. so how are you gonna do your distribution? How are you gonna distribute this stuff? So initially we'll use the existing dive channel to distribute the boating product. Um, cause we have a good distribution channel for dive in Australia and in Florida, not a great presence in California, but good presence in Florida. And then we need to start building out into the boat chandleries. And then we need to start building out with boat manufacturers where they're aware of the technology and can offer it with their list of other safety as an option, as an option. And, uh, and how do you build awareness just generally for the retail market. I mean, I, I, I know you've got Tommy, but like, how do you build a Yeah, look, it's tough. Is that one um, of you're raising money? That's exactly why we're raising money. In fact, uh, this Wednesday, we're going to see a bunch of agencies to do pitches because we're going to invest about, you know, a million, million and a half of that fund, those funds over the next two years in demand generation. We're looking at, well, how do we do it? What is the best way? Cause Social. 
Well, digital mm. for sure, you know, digital for sure. But I also think, uh, you know, one of the propositions is that out of home, you know, that that's kind of poster in the right target market on the bus stop or on the bus where surfers are and divers are and those sorts of things. There's a lot of good data on where they exactly are located. Um, and in the boating market, you know, there's different channels for marketing into the boating market as well. I can see, you know, Joel Parkinson and, uh, you know, Mick Fanny probably got a couple of million each on Instagram. I mean, yeah, the, 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 and also your magazines. Well, one do, of the does other does everyone I, still buy surfing magazine tracks and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, well, I think they look at them online, you know. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the boating market, one of the propositions someone placed, um, actually out of your circles, actually, uh, was Greg Norman as a brand ambassador in the boating segment. Mm. You know, he's into luxury boats. He's had the Aussie Rules boat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and good credibility, well known in that segment. And so those those kind of ambassadors might be better in the boating market. I don't know. Probably is our costume millionaire. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah like half the company and yeah. off you go. Yeah. And then no care, no responsibility. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I, but I, I guess that's the sort of stuff you can sort of evolve into. But, you know, you've got, there's plenty of platforms. Yes. <clears throat> I can see how you can promote the various retail oh, we, products. Mark, we get so much media coverage. You know, when there's a shark incident, uh, we're, we're interviewed and spoken to all the time. So, you know, we're, we're, and that's what I think makes the stock interesting. It's not a mining company or some biotech company that no one understands. Mm. It's, it's something that people understand and can be aware of. And so I think on the demand side, once it's listed, it should do quite well, is my gut feel. And how much money are you going to raise? We're only raising five. Right, five. Yeah, and, so, and, uh, and so that's... Give us an enterprise value of 15. You're going, to, you're going to go with an enterprise value of 15? Correct. Yeah, and you're going to raise Post five. money. Yes, post money, right. Post money. So uh, that means, right, now it's 10, is it? Correct. Yeah, so you're going in today's enterprise value, pre-money 10, raise five, post money 15. Um, and, uh, and and what's your infrastructure internally like? Do you have COs and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, look, we're a very small company. So we've really only <coughs> got four or five full-time employees and then a bunch of part-time employees. And the part-time employees are the CFO and at this moment marketing. Um, we've just put on a full-time R&D manufacturing manager, which was a chap that used to work for me before. Uh, we've got channel managers. We've got a business partner in the US that I bought the company with that's running the US side of the operation. So it's still, a, we do have a professional board. We've got Alan Broom as an independent chairman. He's a professional chairman. And a chap called James Wakeham, who you may know from your banking days. He set up Bank of Sydney and Arab Bank in mm -hmm. Australia. So mm -hmm. banking finance background. Yep. Um, so we do run it as a professional public company. And and do you have a CTO, a chief technology officer? Uh, well, the, as far as uh, chief technology officer, I suppose that's probably me yep. as far as innovation goes. So, yep. you know, for example, um, I just patented before Christmas a new product, which for want of a better name, I'm calling it the Force, which Disneyland I'm sure will love to sue me for. Uh, and this is a handheld device that a spear fisherman that doesn't want to wear our dive product can wear on their dive belt or on their calf, pull it out, activate it like a police baton. It pops out and creates an electrical field that they can prod the shark away with. Wow. Now, that we're going to introduce that at around 199 probably this year, end of the year. But I see that as just about a fashion accessory. I think I see it at a price point that stops the competitors coming in at the lower end of the marketplace. But I see it in iPod colours sitting on a, a lady's bikini swimming around in the Caribbean. I, 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 yeah, it sounds like something out of, um, what was that famous movie with Dudley Moore and where she runs out of the water with her hair? 
flung. Oh, 10. 10. We remember, we, Bo Derek. Bo Derek. She had a yeah. diver's belt around her. That's right. Swimmers. I could sort of see that as a fashion oh, we item. Could, we could get sued saying that's not a knife as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and speaking of which, uh, is there any competition? I mean, there are there, different shark repellents, so to speak, around. How does it how, So how do the you... statement I'd say is that Shark Shield is the world's only scientifically proven and independently tested electrical shark deterrent. Right. One of the reasons for the brand change is that all the competitors, while Shark Shield is the rollerblade, band-aid, Kleenex of the category, and the media refer to the category as Shark Shield, the problem is is that all the other products in the category are called Shark something. Shark yeah. bands, no shark, shark stopper, et cetera, et cetera. So what's happened is that, that, that there's a lot of snake oil out there, and Shark Shield's been lost in that as a brand, and that's one of the reasons for the brand change. And so the, the, the products that are on the market, you, you should take your iPhone surfing with you. It'll be of more use because at least you could call an ambulance when you get bitten. Yeah. And uh, is, is there any potential to get a, a regulation involved in this? Uh... There is. Part of the Senate inquiry and our submission to the Senate inquiry is that we implement some kind of Australian standards to yeah. stop these products being sold in the Australian marketplace. Yeah, there should be some form of standard. Absolutely there should be because people are buying products that truly, truly don't work. Yeah. I mean, they just, it's not possible for them well, to Well, the work. worst thing about it is they think it works and it gives them, they probably go with False more, more courage than they would ordinarily do it. Yep. And they'll go and do something silly with actually put themselves right in the, the territory where a shark may be. Exactly correct. That's, that's a real worry. This is fascinating. Um, I always ask my guests if there's something they'd like to talk to me about. One question. Do you have a question for me? Oh, I didn't. I should have prepared my homework and bought one. Yeah. Well, uh, if you don't have a question, that's fine by me. But is there anything you want to ask me? Uh, no, actually, I spent the weekend actually reading your background. Um, the wizard home loans and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and look, the one thing, you know, that I think about Shark Shield and Wizard was a similar thing is that when you look at all these ventures and the ventures I've had, timing is critical. I had a CD storage business, which I licensed to Imation out of Minnesota, which is a spinoff from 3M. And I started that company as CDs and DVDs were dying. You know, it was just timing. Bad timing, you know, and, and I think for Shark Shield slash Ocean Guardian, the timing is real. There's a big environmental movement. There's a big conservation movement. There's the technologies there. The independent scientific research to show the efficacy is there. And now it's just a case of, well, how do I educate the community? How and do the I governments. Educate? And the governments are yep. supporting it. We've now got rebates being applied. Yep. And I think those rebates will be applied across the country over the next couple of years as well. Because I would have thought one of the big things for you is to actually get all the all the state governments to do what the Australian government's yeah. doing and get everybody on board. I mean, if you could, not just to build your own demand, but actually to show that you're the person out there who's building this protection of, for people. Or it's probably not even protection. I don't really like that word. It's more about uh, just mutual enjoyment. You know, yeah, everyone's enjoying exactly. the environment at the same time without anyone getting hurt. You take responsibility for your risk. You know, yeah. if if you want to go and pursue this particular activity, and this this is true across any of the adventure sports we do, you take some personal responsibility. Stop blaming everyone else. Well, you've got to wear a life jacket exactly. if you're in a boat more than a certain size. Or Malcolm Turnbull uh, got a fine over Christmas for not wearing his well, life well, jacket. Well, people have to wear life jackets. They don't to, to to protect them from just falling out of the boat into the water in a, a certain right. size boat. Um, I don't understand why. Um, people shouldn't be made to have a, a, something that, a shark protection there because, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to cost the public purse something if someone gets attacked by a shark. 
and it also affects things like tourism, et cetera, et cetera. A whole lot mm. of stuff. There's a whole lot mm. of consequential stuff. So I don't if, – if the argument's there for a life jacket, if the argument's there for a helmet for a cyclist. Exactly. The argument's got to be there for a, a shield of some type for a surfer, a diver, and, a, and someone just swimming at the beach. Yep. That's the way I see it. Yep. And if you could somehow get those parallel arguments going, it makes it much more understandable. And then, and if governments, governments, it's not a hard thing for them to regulate. I mean, gee, it's not going to cost them any money. I mean, it's exactly. it's not expensive exercise. Relatively, not not talking about a hundred million dollar infrastructure to put it Correct. to put in net, this uh, replace the netting. And if you if you put it up as a replacement of netting, there's a big advantage in it. They actually make all those people happy who they were pissing off earlier on. See, Shepherd, everybody's happy. Yeah, totally. So uh, it's sort of a compelling argument at a government level. And uh, if you can be the guy that changes the changes the environment relative to how the current systems are hurting the environment, if you mm. become the dude, the guy, um, not just surfing but everything across the board, I think that'll build your brand tremendously. Mm. That's what I reckon is a. And then the media will talk to you, but not just talk to you. Oh, there's a shark attack. We talk. Can you give us some stats or something? But they'll actually come to you talk to you about talk to you about what you're doing mm. we just brought on board a young lady out of perth uh, called amanda elizabeth and she's a shark scientist uh, shark biologist did a master's there and 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 that's what we're aiming to do you know we want people on board that can speak with authority that have the credibility uh, both from a biology and a technology perspective and and that's exactly what we're trying to do we're trying to get to the point where we're a go-to for an opinion as yeah, well an opinion and a, and a leader yep Mate, this is a quite a fascinating discussion. It's one I I do think about occasionally because I don't actually. Go we need s- to get you back in the water surfing. I, I was going to say I was going <laughs> to say I don't go surfing that much anymore, but but I do think about it. In fact, I was at the Belongeal, um up up in Byron about uh, I don't know last year sometime, and uh, and I was and I was going to go for a swim, but I could see the the uh, river was running pretty heavy into the sea, and I thought I just wonder. I thought all the nutrients going out there now. It looked pretty good, but I've just been reading about stuff that was going on in Ballon. I thought, nah, I won't go in. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I went in, but I, w- I, w- I wanted to go and catch a, catch a few waves and just yeah. body surf. But I thought, nah, I'm not going to go out there. You know, like, uh, and and you're that that is the typical target market. It really, mm. really is. You're 100 percent correct. So you're hesitating. You're not enjoying the ocean. You're not enjoying the sports that you love. And they're the people we want to sell to. They're the people we need to educate. They're the people we need to get back in the water so they go back to enjoying their lifestyle. Well, if you get the council to put something in there, because, you know, I go up there. I go up there because I've got a farm up there. But I go up, one of the reasons I go down to the water is to jump in the ocean. Yep. And I feel robbed if I don't do that. Yep. But if I'm, but I also equally, I don't want to be compromised. So, you know, I, I'd rather be robbed than be compromised. Yep. So, if you could somehow take that um, compromise out of the equation away from me, I will never feel robbed and I'll feel happy and I'll have a much more feel, fulfilled visit to my property. And um, all it requires is a council to go put a few of these things out there. And they they, they won't be blowing about it either because it's good for tourism and it's also uh, good for the environment. Well, and maybe Westpac might want to put their logos on them. Happily. <laughs> all right. Very good. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. That was, that was fascinating. No, and good, and by the way, good luck with your listing. Thank you very much. And I, um, sure. I hope investors see the, the, not only the good the side of the investment, the good side of the investment, but also see the ethical side of what's going on here because this is a very good ethical investment. Thanks Thank very you very much. much. Appreciate it, Mark. You're welcome.